Well, I hope you have a uh, bulletin, and in that bulletin you have an outline. We are so excited, as Pastor Nikki said, to get to baptize 40 people uh, today, dedicating 19 young children with their families uh, last week. And you know, if you're sitting here today and you would say, I've not been baptized and I am ready to do that, um, you may be a part of the group that gets to do it for the first time over in the community center in the fall. Uh, So we're excited about that. You can put that on your calendar, October 14th. And if you looked up there and said, I should have done that, I I need to get baptized, then please mark that down, and uh, that can be a date that you can circle on the calendar that you will join us for doing that. You'll be part of the first group, we pray, if all goes according to plan, that will be baptized over there in the community center. The first of many, many who we pray will be coming through there. And, uh, you know, again, so excited to see the transformed lives up there. That's what the baptism represents. It represents lives going down under the water, dying to themselves, and raising again, transformed for Jesus. Uh, Changed, uh, living a life differently. And that's what we're looking at today as we're in uh, second to the last uh, messages in this series called The Other Suppers. We're looking at a transformed life. Many of you have heard the name Zacchaeus. That is who we're talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 19. And let me read the story to you. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short and he could not see over the crowd, he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the what? The lost. The lost. And that is what we picture right up there in the waters of baptism. For any of you who have been baptized, you know at one time you were lost and Jesus came to seek and to save you. The story we're looking at today of Zacchaeus is an interesting one. Uh, It takes place in a city called Jericho. In fact, we put a little map up here of where Jesus is headed. Um, He is going from uh, probably up in this region, the Sea of Galilee, down through Jericho to Jerusalem. So the scripture says that he is just passing through. And uh, uh, Jericho is an interesting town because it's different than many of the other uh, cities and towns in the biblical area of Israel. Um, It's green. We don't see that a lot. If you look across the topography of this land, my wife and I were there about 20 years ago. Um, It's very barren, very arid, very dry, very brown. Um, and yet this city of Jericho is different because it is fed by a natural spring. 
And it developed into kind of a resort for the wealthy. In fact, they have unearthed uh, King Herod's winter palace in the city of Jericho. And you can go see that today. Um, in fact, how many of you have ever been to Palm Springs? Have you been to Palm Springs? Okay, many of you. It's a little bit like that, Palm Springs, in, in the midst of kind of a desert type of area um, that is turned green. Um, and that's the city of Jericho. Uh, it, it looks differently. It, it feels differently. And Scripture tells us in verses 1 and 2 that Jesus was going through Jericho. He was just passing through. And there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. Now, you probably didn't need to say the wealthy part of that statement because it was already somewhat of a given. If somebody was a tax collector, and not just a tax collector, but a chief tax collector, then they probably were going to be very, very wealthy. And um, we're going to see that um, Zacchaeus has another characteristic about himself. In fact, many of you probably know what this characteristic is. When I say the name Zacchaeus, what comes to mind besides being a tax collector? What else? Yeah, he was a short person. How many of you ever sang that song sometime in church? Maybe it was in Sunday school. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Yeah, and a wee little man. Now, I don't know if he was quite that size of a wee little man. Uh, but he was, he was a small man of small stature. And we're going to see what I believe that does in Zacchaeus' life. Because here's what I know. Psychologists will tell us that a basic need that all of us in here have is the need to be valued. And where you find your value system, from who or from what, will often drive you through life. And the sooner you discover what you're seeking your value from, the sooner you'll know about where your life is headed. In fact, if we let it, the world will creep into, and I wrote this in your bulletin, the four ways we look for value. Write those down very quickly in that outline. We look for value in our appearance. We look for value in approval. We look for value in the achievements and the things that we do. We look for value in the affluence that we can have, maybe the wealth that we can accumulate. And around the world, you will look and you will see people in each of these types of character, uh, character, with each of these types of characteristics. And usually people lock on to one, maybe two. Some may be trying to chase all of them, but at least if we can find it in one of these areas, oftentimes we feel better about ourselves and we feel valued. Which takes me to another quote that I thought is very, when you think about it, what it means, it can be life-changing. Because here's what I know as well. It's that we tend to base our self-worth on what we think the most important person in our life thinks of us. Now let me say that again. We tend to base our self-worth on what we think the most important person in our life thinks about us. So that may be a spouse, maybe a, a boss. It may be a, even a, a child or a father or a mother type of figure. But thinking, what do they think about us? And when they think about us in high ways, then we feel more self-esteem than we do when they don't think much about us. It, it, it's the reason why those who are closest to us can often hurt us the most. And we have a story here of a man who um, probably was kicked around a lot in life. 
was kicked around, kicked to the curb, and he drove him, I believe, to look for approval in these areas. It's, it's why when Jesus came, I think he was so ready to go over to his house. And it's why I would hope, as you are here in, in here today, that you would not be basing your self-worth on what someone else physically thinks about you, be it your wife, be it your boss, be it a child, be it a friendship, be it a mentor, whatever it may be, but you would base that upon what God thinks about you. Amen? That's what I hope we come to the place of believing, that God, who never changes, thinks that you are off of the charts. He, he, he's the type of God who loves you no matter what you do, even in your sin and your hardship of life. He loves you. In fact, we've often said in this church that God's love can't be gained and it can't be lost. There's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. That tells me... Your value is not based on your appearance. It's not based on your approval. It's not based on any achievements. It's not based on your affluence. Your value is not based upon anything you can do or your performance. But when you allow God to speak into your life, you realize, God, I just need to walk with you. And it's not about the highs and it's not about the lows, but it's about my relationship with you. And Zacchaeus discovers that today because he not only was a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector who, again, I feel was probably looking for value in the affluence of life because we know it wasn't about his appearance. Why? Because look at verse 3. It says he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Now, um, the, the phrase or the word in the NIV is short. In the ESV, some of you might have that. Um, today I'm reading out of the NIV. Um, it, it was uh, small in stature. And it comes from the Greek word helechia micros, which means microman. So that's literally what he was known as. He was known as a little microman, or today what we might call a, a small person, a short person, or in decades past, we might say um, a, a midget or a dwarf. And in the biblical days, many people thought that size was a curse from the gods. And so for Zacchaeus to be this size, people would think that he was cursed. And you have to believe, you have to believe, that Zacchaeus was ridiculed for his size. I mean, being small as a child, being out on the playground... I mean, kids can be ruthless, can't they? But we adults can be ruthless as well. And I'm sure he was called a lot of different names for who he was, or not for who he was, but how he looked. And I'm sure each of us even in here can remember some of the names that maybe we were called as children, maybe even as adults by someone who we valued, words from our parents or our siblings or a boss or a spouse that make their way into our minds and we get told we're stupid, we're dumb, we're a klutz, we can't do anything right. The person who said six and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me was just wrong. Because they do. And they stick. And I'm sure in Zacchaeus' life, he came down this path and he says, well, if I can't get my value from my parents, I'll find it some way 
And so he chose to be a collector, a tax collector. And it wasn't just any tax collector, but it was a chief tax collector so he could gain lots of riches. But watch, watch. Even though that's what maybe drove him, watch what Jesus does. Verse 4. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. Now, think about what's going on here. Luke does not always mention the names of the people that Jesus interacted with. As we've even studied this uh, Other Supper series, we've seen a lot of different people that really weren't even mentioned by name. We saw a prostitute who came in and anointed Jesus' feet uh, and, and, and his head. Um, she was not listed by name. She was called a woman of the city. We saw a little boy who gave five loaves and two fish. He was not called by name. It just describes him as a boy with five loaves and two fish. There was uh, no mention of a leper's name who Jesus interacted with and healed. There's no mention of, even in chapter 18, there's no mention of a rich young ruler by name or of the name of a blind beggar. But Luke says Jesus calls out Zacchaeus by name. Do you know what his name meant? I looked it up this week. The name Zacchaeus meant righteous one or chosen or pure one. I mean, can you imagine how long it had been since Zacchaeus had heard someone call him by name, right? With his profession of basically selling out his nationality and working for the Romans to collect taxes from the Hebrews or the Jewish people, people would call him every name but righteous, clean, pure one. I'm sure they called him crook. I'm sure they called him a traitor. I'm sure they called him a thief. I'm sure they called him a creep. They called him everything but righteous or pure one. But Jesus sees him and calls him by name, Scripture says. It's one of the reasons we wanted to put the names of the people getting baptized in the bulletin. And you get to see those names. I hope and pray that you'll pray over those names throughout the week. That even though we didn't get to talk to them individually, as they talked to Pastor Nikki and talked to Pastor uh, Derek, um, as we witnessed and as we worshiped alongside, those names, Jesus knows those names. And he called each and every one of them by name, just as he calls each and every one of you by name. He knows you. He loves you. He comes alongside you. He, he, he pours his life out for us, for us. He comes along this road and says, Zacchaeus. In fact, let me read the whole verse 5 again. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Today. In, in a sense, it was hurry because he saw something in Zacchaeus that was very open to knowing Christ as Lord and Savior. It's where I hope that each of you have, as we've talked about since the beginning of this year, your oikos list. If you weren't here back in March or April, we went through a series where we looked at sharing our faith with others because it's the year of evangelism here at First Baptist. And we wrote down a list of names that um, God has already placed into our lives, 8 to 15 people in our lives that we're to be praying for. My wife and I have been praying for our neighbors. I hope you have friends, family members, neighbors that you're praying for as well. Some of you who are here today to witness baptisms, people have been praying for you. 
to come and to see the good things that Jesus has to offer for each and every one of us. And, and that song was not given by accident. He's a chain breaker. He's the one who, who gives us meaning in life. Jesus is the one that changes our value system from being an appearance and affluence or, or achievements in all of life, or approval in life. Changes it from just saying, know that I love you. That's what Jesus comes alongside. He says, Zacchaeus, by name, pure one, righteous one, I love you. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2.10, we are called God's workmanship. That is a Greek word that means his poema, his poem. He's writing our story. In fact, did any of you see uh, a wedding last night or, or the night before, a royal wedding, right? Any of you, any of you witnessed that? Right? Someone married into the royal family. You know what? If you've been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've been baptized into his family, you are already a royal priesthood, it says out of 1 Peter. You are a peculiar people, it says. Some of you are more peculiar than others. Um, but you're, you're a different person. You're changed because of God's love for you, a royal priesthood. He has called you a saint by name. And this story really becomes a, a template for how Jesus interacts with us. He sees us. He values us. He takes the initiative. I mean, can you imagine how strange this would have been for Jesus to dialogue with Zacchaeus in this way? In fact, if you picture um, what was taking place here, don't picture Zacchaeus up at the top of like a crepe myrtle type of tree. Don't picture him at the top of a redwood tree like we have here in California. We don't have a lot of these, but it says in the scripture, I looked it up, a sycamore fig tree. That, that's what a sycamore fig tree looks like. So you could see how Zacchaeus would have been out on probably one of those limbs over the top of Jesus that Jesus looked up. By the way, my wife and I were in Jericho, and, and we saw the tree that they say Zacchaeus was hanging from. And I said, there's no way that tree is still alive today, right? Even though you have, like, the carved initials, Jesus loves Zacchaeus right there on the bottom of the tree, right? Yeah. No, but they do. They have the trees around there in Jericho, and they've left them on the pathway, um, hoping and guessing one of those was the type of tree, but that tree's dead, and new ones have grown up. Um, but Jesus would have had celebrity status. So as Jesus was walking through this, I'm sure there were crowds and hordes of people, so much so, obviously, that Zacchaeus could not see, and so he climbs up in this tree to get a good look at him. Any of you had kind of uh, five minutes of fame running in with a celebrity? My wife and I had a couple of them. Uh, we were in Rome a number of years ago, um, and we did not know that the Pope was coming by, but we were in Vatican City, and we heard kind of a buzz waiting there, and so we just said, okay, we'll hang out. We, we literally hung out for about a half an hour, and here comes the Pope driving down the street. From me to probably the balcony, he was that close, and he was driving in his just little, his little Pope-mobile type of thing, right? It was a golf cart with bulletproof type thing, and he just waving, waving. He waved right at me. And 100,000 other people who were behind me. Um, but, you know, to see him that close was kind of, was kind of curious and was amazing. Um, also, my wife and I, about eight, nine years ago, we were in Washington, D.C., and um, we were in a government building um, uh, taking a tour of something, and all of a sudden we heard kind of a commotion and a clamoring, and people were saying, move to the side, move to the side. We're in a hallway, and there was Hillary Clinton walking down the hallway towards us. It was as close as from me to this guitar, and so my wife and I, we just kind of stood up against the, um, uh, the wall, and she was Secretary of State at the time, was heading into a meeting, but she stopped, and she turned, and she looked at us. 
And she said, hi. And we, and we just said, hi. And, and she said, where are you from? We said, Stockton. <laughs> you know, she looks at us like, oh, yeah, Stockton. Like she knew, right, where, where Stockton was. Could you imagine at that moment if she would have continued the conversation? That's a true story. But could you imagine if she would have continued the conversation and would have said, oh, Brad, Carrie, would you guys like to come over? We can, Bill and I, we can throw some barbecue, you know, steaks in the barbecue. You know, you can talk to Bill about the whole Monica thing. Let's get that cleared up and, you know, all that kind of Could you imagine if she would have done that, right? I mean, I mean that, that's really what's going on here. Zacchaeus is up in the tree. Jesus comes by and he spots him. And he says, hey, you got to come down. Come I'm going to your house. I'm going to be beside you. We'll do this together. That's a template for how Jesus does it for us. And some of you are in here today. You didn't know Jesus was calling you out. He is calling to you today, saying, I want to come alongside you. Because here's what I know. People can impress us from afar, but they impact us from up close. Let me say that again. People can impress us from far away, but to truly impact, they come very close. And that's what Jesus does to Zacchaeus. He says, come, let's share some time together. And a supper with Jesus is life-changing. Look at what happens in verse 6. It says, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And then verse 7. You always got to pin it on verse 7. Look at verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a what? Of a sinner. Of course, always the crowd has to have their opinions. We've seen it all over these dinners where the Pharisees are judging people. Now the crowds are judging people. They're judging Jesus for him being with these types of people. It just goes with the territory. Verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up. Now after dinner, after being out of his home, kind of a shift of scenery here, He stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, where did he pull those numbers from? Look at the uh, formula I put there at the bottom of the page. It's an ancient Jewish formula for restitution if wrong is done or if money is taken. If it's from fraud, it would be that you owe that amount of money back plus another fifth, plus 20%. If it's for robbery, it would be twice the amount that you stole. And if it's robbery with assault, it would be four times the amount that was stolen. And so... Zacchaeus really kind of takes this on himself and he says, you know what, I have done so much wrong, I'm going to give back four times what I've taken from people that I know now I shouldn't have. And I want you to notice something about the text. Luke doesn't write in the text that Jesus condemned Zacchaeus. He doesn't write in the text even that Zacchaeus had this great repentant moment. Even though we see when he stood and he gave witness to this and said, I'm going to pay back, that was his repentant moment. But he didn't use the word repentance. He just knows, though, that Zacchaeus knew he was wrong. And I'll tell you why. It's because he came alongside Jesus. When we come alongside Jesus... 
we end up seeing how sin-filled we are and how grace-filled Jesus is. Let me say that again. When we come alongside Jesus, we end up seeing how grace-filled he is and how, excuse me, how sin-filled we are, but how grace-filled Jesus is. And, you know, it's one of the things that I hope to model even in my teaching and preaching here at First Baptist. I, I, I don't necessarily like to give bad dog sermons. You know what bad dog sermons are? They're not bad sermons. I've given some of those. But they're sermons, bad dog, where you say, don't, stop, don't, don't, don't do that, don't, knock it off. And I just think, you know what, that stops the emotion, that stops for a moment. What I'd rather give is a sermon where we see Jesus, we come alongside Jesus, we allow Jesus to come alongside us. And when we come alongside Jesus, again, we see how sin-filled we are and don't measure up, but how grace-filled Jesus is. And today, if you're here and you realize, you know what, I don't have it all together. And if you've been looking for value in your appearance or in your approval or achievements in life or your affluence, or if you've discovered, even with the song that we sang, that you know what, I've been looking for things in the wrong places of life, I've been held back by chains of sinfulness, then today it's your day to say Jesus is that way maker. Jesus is that chain breaker. And that's what Zacchaeus experienced. That's what he found out. In fact, it goes on to say in verse 9 that Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And and notice, Zacchaeus is not paying for his salvation. That, That is not what's going on at all here. Zacchaeus didn't do his good works to gain his salvation. The good works were a result of the salvation that he came upon and he experienced because Jesus saw a change in his life. He saw a change in his heart. And so that's where Zacchaeus then stood up and said, let me now make this right. Because we are saved by faith alone, but faith doesn't stay alone. It comes with works. It comes with goodness. And that's what Zacchaeus entered right into. Yes, the faith saved him, but the good works followed because our faith comes um, and shows the good works that we walk into and that we display for others. And so Jesus then makes a statement at the end of the story that Luke just wants to drive home. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the what? The lost. It's one of the most recognizable phrases about Jesus. The Son of Man came to seek seek and save the lost. It's why you're here today. Because Jesus has come to seek and save you. He did that for me some 40 years ago. He did that for many people across this auditorium. He did that for every one of these baptism candidates that now have professed their faith in Jesus. And he wants to do it for you today as well. And so you have a choice. You have a decision that you need to make. What do I do with that call that Jesus has for me? Because he's calling each and every one of us in here today by name. What step do you take? In fact, look at the step that Zacchaeus took. It's back in verse 6, where it says, So he came down at once, and he welcomed Jesus gladly. Today is your day to do that. And I'd even remind those who have already made that decision in Christ, pray for the people on your left and your right. Pray for the people behind you and in front of you. Because today I'm convinced that Jesus is wanting to break some more chains right here in this very room. 
and allow you to become a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people who are following the ways of God, not the ways of the world. You know, in just a second here, we're going to pray, and as we do pray, um, my hope would be that you would answer that question. If I was not to live beyond today, where would I go? I got a call yesterday afternoon that a young man in our, fam- in our church family um, was hit in an auto accident. He was on life support yesterday. Um, and at 10 o'clock at night, they pulled the life support because he was um, legally dead. Has three children, teenagers, young 20s. Um, he might have thought he had another day to live. It's not the way life went, though. But as I talked to the family, it was reassuring to know that he knew Jesus. And so as we prayed, um, we confirmed that he had been baptized, even up here in the baptism waters. Uh, He had professed the name of Jesus. And so we prayed and we knew that he had stepped into the arms of Jesus 10 o'clock last night. Today, on your way home, you did not know where you would go if you were hit, if something would happen to you. Do you know where you would go? If you do then praise God. If you don't, let's take care of that right now because Jesus has come and he's calling you by name. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you called me by name. Lord, I thank you that you have called every one of us in this auditorium by name, calling us out from our lives where we are seeking approval and achievement and affluence and value from others instead of, Lord, from you. And so today, even, Lord, as Zacchaeus understood, he was not seeking the right things. He had sinned in his life. God, he had robbed, he had frauded people, and yet he stood up and claimed it. He said, let me make it right. So today, God, you have called each of us. You've called us by name into your glorious light, even as we've sung that song. By name. But Lord, can we call you by name? Can we say we know you personally as Lord and Savior? Folks, I know, again, that hundreds of you across this auditorium have made that decision. But again, if you have not, then today can be a day where you finalize that. Today can be a day when you say, yes, Jesus, yes. In fact, let me just, um, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've said yes to the Lord Jesus and today was your last day on earth that you would go to heaven because you have believed in him by faith, would you slip up your hand just as an affirmation of your faith in Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. Hundreds of hands across this auditorium. If today, though, if today you do not know that, And today is a day where you would say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. Today is the day I want to say yes to him. I know that I'm a sinner going my own way. I want to do it right. I pray today to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Would you, with every eye bowed, every eye closed, would you just make eye contact with me and raise your hand as well so I can see you? Praise God. Yep, over here, thank you. Amen. Others. Cross out term, praise God. Yep. You said yes to Jesus. Good for you. Others, I'll look up in the balcony now. Uh Uh-huh. I see you right there. Okay. Five, six hands up in the front. Absolutely. 
Amen. Praise God. And in the back, yes, over on this side, uh-huh, I see you. God bless you. God bless you. Others. God, we thank you for these who have said yes to you. If you just raised your hand wanting to receive him as Lord and Savior, would you just, in your own heart, with your own words, pray a similar prayer to this, Lord Jesus, today I receive you by faith. Lord, I know that I am a sinner going my own way. Today I turn, I repent, I follow you today. Lord Jesus, I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. You know, if you just prayed that prayer and you raised your hand, may eye contact with me, then in heaven there's a party being thrown for you right now. It sounds a little bit like our baptism party that we just threw with the angels who are cheering you on, praising God that another has come home because you're called as royal people. God, thank you for that calling. We thank you for the step that these believers now have taken. I thank you for the hundreds across this auditorium who have prayed that prayer already. Folks, if you raise your hand after the service, I'd love for you to come talk to me. Or out at our Next Step Center, if you want to talk to that attendant, we have some information for you. Or the friend who brought you today. Maybe you even came to witness a baptism. The person who got baptized, talk to that family member. They would love to talk to you more about what it means to follow Jesus. God, we thank you for the miracles that have happened today. The lives that have been changed. The lives that we have seen in the baptistry. But also the lives out here in the auditorium. Lord, of people saying yes to you. We love you. We thank you for what that means. We are your children. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.